1: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick
0: Cattles. All right, time now for the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Nick Cattles is on a bye this week. Uh, He should be back, we think. We we think he'll be back for uh, episode two later on this week. But we are still looking back at the Jets game. Greg Bedard had a chance here to look closely at the film. First off, before we get very granular here and what you saw because there was some good, uh, a good bit of bad as well. Just your initial reaction was this was this uh, last second come from behind win over the winless Jets a good win or a bad win? <laughs> uh,
1: I think any win is is good. I mean, there's certainly different degrees of uh, you know how good a win is. I mean, if you if you're barely scraping by the winless Jets. Uh, it's not exactly a stellar uh, referendum on your football program at the moment. Um, that being said, it, the Patriots being a team that had lost four straight, they needed any type of victory. They just needed to scrape one out. And, and we had seen them three previous times basically have the ball in their hands, a chance to win or tie the game, and they came up short. Uh, This time they were able to, to make it happen. And so, so I think that's, I think that's good overall for the team. Uh, Certainly there will be people out there who just wanted the Patriots to lose and they want them to lose every game because they want a higher draft pick. I just don't buy any of that stuff when it comes to the Patriots. I mean, you can't, you know, and I'm talking to the fans right now, like you can't, appreciate and praise their culture for 20 years the patriot way the unselfishness the mental toughness and all that stuff and then also say well we're gonna we're gonna lose every game to get a higher draft pick like the two don't mesh like in in theory I can understand why fans feel that uh you might be able to do that but if you've ever been part of a team at really at any level above say Twelve years old, then you understand that there has to be a certain mindset for the team to either succeed or or to fail. And the Patriots, Bill Belichick came in here in two thousand, moved quickly to change the the identity of this team, the culture around the team uh, from what it had been under Pete Carroll. And you can't all of a sudden now say, well, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're not gonna do that, and we're just gonna. Bill's going to play all these young players who don't know what they're doing. Apparently considering the way the coaches are using them and uh, you know, we're going to make these decisions because it it might make us uh, lose the game. That's just not going to happen. I mean, you can't do that for a year and then all of a sudden say, all right, well next year we're really trying like either you're the Patriots all the time or you're the Patriots none of the time. And so to me, that was a good solid victory. Now, whether it means anything, who the hell knows? We'll see. Probably not this Sunday night against the Ravens, but you never know on any given Sunday, you know, right, John? And and so, you know, we'll see what it means. But it, it was a team that needed a win. They got it. It was ugly, it wasn't pretty, but they'll take
0: it. And it is amazing. The number one conversation again, you were on the Patriots post game show on 98.5. Um, yep. I did a post game show with Evan Lazar after the game. All the comments, all the chat was, why aren't they just tanking here? And it's amazing because it just speaks to the lack of patience. And again, I'm I'm sorry to Patriots fans out there. The spoiled nature of Patriots fans at this point, which is, it's all or nothing. We want it all. We want it now. And if we're not going to get to the Super Bowl this year, fix it, fix it fast. And there might not be a quick fix on the table here. And again, you're right. The culture, this is what makes no sense to me. You can't have, you can't do this to the McCordys, you know, in a high tower when he's here and the veteran players, the guys on the offensive line, Jack Mason, David Andrews, all these guys, you can't do that. They've, but it's a contract. These guys, they've bought into a way in a system and the system doesn't exist without players at the top of the chain, leading on down if you eliminate that and if everyone's like i'm not look at what my what happened to miami last year when they start selling off parts anybody Mm -hmm. who was anybody on that team is like nope i'm gone you know like i'm not here for this so that's not something that you can do here so you you have to take it and again there will be several Opportunities to lose games in the second half of the season. This is a tough stretch that they're about to enter. So if you want losses, yep. you're probably going to get losses, but you're not going out there and tanking to the Jets. Uh, that's just send a terrible message to the team. Um, I guess looking at what happened in this game, again, it's amazing it was this close considering the offense was remarkably efficient both with Cam and the running game was able yep. to get things going on the ground. Uh, but the defense, holy wow, Greg. And again, you've written about this. You've talked about it. Uh, you have no Stephon Gilmore, fine. Trickle-down effect, J.C. Jackson moves up to top corner. McCourty, who you've been critical of a lot of the year, Jason McCourty, is in there as well. And and, and he had a couple of rough moments. Uh, immediately, everybody points, well, secondary blows. Uh, you don't think so. You, you think it's not all on them.
1: Yeah, I don't. And, and look, I have been... I have been critical of Jason McCourty just in the sense of, and, and this goes sort of on, you know, a couple of years, I've been on the side of I, I, being critical of Belichick on airing on the side of age instead of youth. Like I said, you know, I wrote it last year before the season at cut downs. I said, you know, Bill's Bill's going to ride with his over the hill gang again. And, you know, it better work because there's no reason why they couldn't have said, you know, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to trade a Landon Roberts or Daron Harmon or this person or that person, including like a Jason McCourty and let the kids play, whether that was JC Jackson last year or Juwan Williams this year or what have you, that's sort of, it's not, it's not with Jason per se. It's more with Belichick's philosophy and and his lack of development of young players. And And I thought that they could have started this last year. I thought the door was open instead. He postponed it. And now they're feeling the effects um, but in terms of this game, yes, the 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 highlight for everybody coming out of this game is yeah, I guess I guess uh, I guess they need to pay stuff on Gilmore. I guess JC right. Jackson's not ready to be a number. One, one. one. Right. Yeah, some one. McCourty stinks. Like I, that's not look, and they have their issues in this game. There's no there's no doubt. I mean, when JC Jackson is getting faked out of his shoes by Brashad Perriman. a a failed I think he was a first round pick of the Ravens a few years ago who couldn't you know hit water if he fell out of a boat when he was in Baltimore and and all of a sudden he looks like a viable wide receiver against the Patriots you have issues but to me I saw issues with the and we've talked about this before there's always there's always a a lineup between pressure and coverage and I'll just give you an early example in that game first drive of the game The, the jets have a second and five and you, you know, the Patriots have played Joe Flacco before they know he's a statue in the pocket. He's a stationary target. We're going to bring pressure. We're going to force him into mistakes. He's going to throw the ball to us. You know, what have you. And so on second and five on the opening series, they call for a zero blitz. Everybody's coming. They're in man coverage off the boards. Now, now, Joe, Jason McCordy and Jonathan Jones and J.C. Jackson are playing off coverage uh, because what you're expecting is the, someone to come free on, on a zero blitz, to rush the quarterback, and then all of a sudden you have eyes and you can, you can play through the ball and through the player. The problem, and this was the problem throughout the game, is that the Patriots got no pressure on the play. Every play, you go back and you look at every big play that the Ravens had from pass the pass interference on Jason McCordy to the touch, the 50-yard touchdown to this and that, there's no there's no one within three or four yards of Joe Flacco. Like, and this has been a constant theme this season that the only time, and I was going through the numbers, the only time that the Patriots this year have pressured the quarterback more than 30% of the time. And that's about in my experience. Doing this throughout the years. Right. 30% is like about average in terms of pressure. Above that is good. If you get around 40% pressure, that's really good. The Patriots have only gotten over 30% pressure on the quarterback three times this year. And it's three quarterbacks that love to hold on to the ball Ryan Fitzpatrick, Russell Wilson, and Josh Allen. These are guys who think they can make plays, they hang on to the ball, they really create pressure for themselves. Right. And so that's been an issue. The Patriots have have started to resort to blitzing more and more. It was 32% in this game. It was 50% against Buffalo. It was 43% against Denver. They did not blitz much against San Francisco, but I attribute that to the score and also knowing that Kyle Shanahan and Juan Garoppolo to just get rid of the ball. That was obviously yeah. their game plan. But to me, the biggest issue on this team in terms of defense – is pressure and I went back and I looked at the numbers last year at this time through eight games the patriots had 31 sacks they have uh 11 sacks i think so far this year so excuse me 17 sacks um they have uh, last year they had 124 total quarterback pressures through eight games right now they have 87 like there's just been a dramatic uh, drop off in terms of pressure on the quarterback that's where it starts and it's not just the pressure it's also it starts with first and second down defense where the patriots are 32nd and 31st if you don't stop the run then you can't get in a long yardage when 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 the opponent is throwing in the long yardage it's advantage the defense you can pin your ears back you can rush the passer they just can't get to that situation so right now
0: the defense as a whole is just broken yeah and it and to remember last year, uh, through eight games, they were playing, the defense was playing in an otherworldly clip in terms of being able to both generate pressure and, uh, and and turnovers which probably masked some of the team's deficiencies because everybody was talking 16 and 0 uh and i mean anybody who plays fantasy football knows the patriots defense was the second best player in fantasy football last year through eight games in terms of the amount of stats that they were able to put up and this year completely the opposite not a lot of pressure they're not able to get there the question is how fixable is this greg like what i mean again you have this You want to see the kids a little bit more, or you'd like to see some again, Jennings, Uche, nowhere to be found. Really Winovich out of the doghouse. It seems played a little bit more, but how quickly can they turn this around with the, with the current deficiencies that they have? Yeah, I'm not, I'm
1: not enthusiastic about that, John. I I, I'm really not. I mean, and I was just writing this for my column for Boston sports journal is that, all right, let's just say for argument's sake, that next for next season, Chase Winovich is ready to be a three-down linebacker. Josh Uche is ready to be a three-down linebacker on the edge. You say they re-sign Lawrence Guy. Say they sign a good young
0: interior defensive tackle, or uh, not, not even. Which they've done. They, yep. Mm-hmm. They can. They, yeah. they that's a band-aid position for them. They've been able to find yep. things there um, yeah. in, in the past, so it's possible. Plus, you got Hightower.
1: Yeah. Say Hightower comes back. Say they. Either draft or sign somebody uh, at linebacker that comes loose. Do I automatically think that they are? They would be better in the pass rush with that sort of group, certainly. But do I think it's? Do I think it's good enough? Do I think it raises to a couple years ago? Um, you know, with this defense at the end of the season when it carried them to Super Bowl? No, I don't. I mean, I just think I think Winovich has a limited ceiling. I mean, ideally. You look at him, you're like, Oh, well, I hope he becomes TJ Watt. I I don't know if he's gonna become TJ Watt. Right. I just I you know, I think I think Winovich is a good tryhard guy. I think he gets um a lot of his pressure, you know, with the, the 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 schemed up stuff with you know the amoeba defense and things like that. Um and Uche, you know, he could probably be a good solid player. And you have to remember part of this calculation is what is Bill Belichick really looking for in the front seven? Who's he going to play? He's going to play well-rounded players and then he's going to have certain roles. Like he's going to have pass rushers. And so, you know, do I think Josh Ushay is, is, you know, the dominant, most dominating pass rusher that they could have gotten in that spot? No, but Belichick thinks he's going to be a good, solid all around player and he defaults to that. So, you know, do I think all of a sudden it'll be dramatically better next year no, I think it'll be a little bit better, but I still, I, I look at this and this is like you said, even if Hightower comes back, which, you know, let's say for argument's sake that he does, um, you know, I think this is a, this is about a two year rebuild in the front seven. And that's if you can re-sign Lawrence guy and guys like that. I mean, if they don't, right, then that opens up another hole in the front seven
0: and, and, and it's trouble. And you don't know what the secondary is going to look like. Cause JC Jackson's going to have to get paid Gilmore. The smart money would be on a trade this off season, but we're not sure there, but you're looking at somebody who is uh, you know, on the, on the wrong side of 30 and then the McCordys are both wild cards. They could theoretically stop playing tomorrow. I mean, uh, they're, you know, there's no guarantee that you have that. So a place where you think you've got set it and forget it depth right now could become another needy spot on the defense. So you're not just addressing the front seven. You could have holes all over uh, and mm-hmm. nobody. That's the one luxury they've had these last couple of years. You could feel so confident in your, in your, in your, in your, in your defensive backs ability to cover that it asks some of the other issues uh, that the team has had. So you don't know what's going to happen there. We are, you know, about 15 minutes into this pod right now. And it's been a little gloom and doom, but there were positive things that have happened here. So let's, let's, Let's move over to the offense. Uh, first, we want to remind everybody, uh, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, rate and review it, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. We want your ratings. We want your reviews. Uh, subscribe uh, if you haven't. And of course, uh, follow Greg Bedard, uh, Boston Sports Journal, 11 cents a day uh, for members to uh, all the greatest access here for all written content, all Boston sports, uh, Patriots, Red Sox, Bruins, celtics uh so please do that 11 cents a day boston sports journal.com now uh greg moving over to the uh offense cam newton by all accounts uh passed the eye test he was accurate seemingly again you can't tell as much uh until you dig into the game film but he looked and again at the very least with the ball in his hands with the game on the line he Did exactly what you want him to do. He led them to victory, and that can't be said for opportunities with the Bills against Seattle, against Denver. He had the ball and a chance to win or tie, uh, and none of those went the Patriots' way. If one or two do, you might still be talking about a team that can claw its way into the playoffs with some things breaking their way. Their margin for error is next to zero here, but they absolutely had to have this game, and it was uh, largely because of Cam Newton.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought you know Cam played well overall. I mean, I would give him about probably probably a good solid B in this game. I thought that, you know, he he did have some issues, you know, the sack where he held the ball and and, and didn't feel the pressure coming. There were a couple decisions um here and there and and a few throws where the mechanics are still clunky, but I thought, you know, for the most part he made, you know, a lot of a, a, a lot of big plays for this team, especially down the stretch. You know, coming back from when they were down ten points to score the final thirteen points of the game, I thought he made a lot of timely throws. And I and I thought what Bel- Belichick had a quote this week, and I think that's been it's been the key thing with Cam. And we and it was something we've talked about even before we really saw him play a game. Just in terms of him playing in the rhythm of the offense and being on time and getting the ball out and being decisive and things like that, he's getting better at that. I know people are still frustrated that. Uh McDaniels is still being very conservative with the offense and with Cam. And why are you running here? And why are you doing that? Like, I understand all that, but the, I, I don't think people fully comprehend how bad Newton was before the past couple of games, and they really had to start back at zero just to, you know, and they're really they're really running very limited concepts in terms of the passing offense. There's there's only about a handful of plays, they dress them up differently. That they're running that they know Newton can, has confidence in and can, and can execute. I mean, they don't even, John, if you, if you think about it, they don't even really trust him that much, or at least his timing in terms of like screens, whether it's sort of running backs or the, or the, the wide receivers. We don't see a lot of those where you used to see a lot of those, uh, with Brady. And, and I think that just speaks to where they think Cam is now. Now, the whole key with Cam. You've gotten them to this point. You, you don't want to ruin it. And and the big thing for Josh McDaniels is is figuring out the timing. All right, well, when do I push it? When are we going to do this? And and I, I don't know. I don't think this is – I think this is another week to dial it back. I think this is another week where they think their path to winning this game is playing it very conservative and trying to get it to the fourth quarter and to the end of the game where they've gotten games to – they failed three times. They came through this time. But I think I think this is another game against an explosive Ravens team where you keep camp very close to the best. You try to run the ball. You try to execute a few key plays in the passing game. Comebackers to Demir Bird. Jacoby Myers doing what he's doing, do those things and hope that you're there at the end of the game and the other team makes a mistake, but you know, we'll have to see what happens.
0: Yeah. Uh, On the topic of Cam. And again, not asking you necessarily to comment on another reporter's uh, information, but I know Tommy Curran prior to the game uh, had something on Jarrett Stidham and how the team kind of gave up on him a little bit in July. They weren't happy with how he uh, was approaching the 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 idea of fighting for a job, now, whether or not that's 100% on uh, the vibe you get around Stidham here, there's still a camp of people who want to see. And again, we're talking fans here, want to see if they've got some, something in the kid, because again, they've got their eyes way down. They're looking for how is this going to get fixed? Is Stidham the guy? Can he be a starting quarterback? If not, we got to go mm-hmm. draft one right away. And again, that's a fan mentality about wanting to know whether or not you have answers. And if not, do you have to start thinking about long-term answers Uh, your vibe on whether they think Stidham has any chance of being a viable starting quarterback in this league, if not now, next year. And if they do, at some point, do you consider handing him the ball at any point this season?
1: Well, I mean, what Tom reported is, you know, pretty much what I've said. Yeah. Back in training camp, the beginning of the season when people were asking and, you know, and the people that I talked to around the team uh, were disappointed that he didn't compete more, that he didn't want it more. And, that I, I, you know, when he came back from that, quote unquote, injury and it wasn't a real injury, um, it was some sort of he was sore, overuse, whatever. The MRI didn't reveal anything. He was out for about two days and then he was back. Um, there's just no excuse for that, for a, a position where it's non-contact during training camp. Um, there was no hit. There was no awkward fall. There, there wasn't anything. He was just sore and that's just not acceptable for a 23, 24 year old quarterback. And uh, I think a lot right. of people I'm at that sore, point Greg. in time. Hmm? Yeah. I'm sore right now. Yeah. We, we, you and I can get sore. I'm sore every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, real heroes do, you know, not all heroes wear capes, but right. um, and we're, you know, we're helping it out. Right. Yeah. Um. So you know, at that moment, a lot of people kind of looked at him a little funny, and then when he came back, it was more like, "I'm just happy to be here." Like he just sort of—I got my clipboard. Yeah. Yep, I sh- he sort of shrunk to the background. Hey, it's Cam's team. I'm, you know, now I'm watching. So, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people around the team were uh, not thrilled with Jared Stidham then, and sort of wrote him off. Now, is he completely written off? No but i I think it, and every time he gets in he's basically he he basically throws an interception that hasn't helped either um but I think where we're last off season, which is you know his development was good, we don't know what he can do, we'll see what he does when he gets out there he needs to compete um there there are so i don't they don't look at him. For the future, I don't even think if there's anything, say he got in for the last five games of the season. Even if the Patriots went five and zero, I don't know. And and Stidham was great. I don't know how much they would put into the Jared Stidham basket. I think they're they're keeping their options open. And uh, you know, it's going to be, I think, quarterback position in general, they're gonna see how the year plays out. uh I don't understand the rush to be like, Oh, is Cam gonna he's not the guy. He
0: is the guy, he isn't the guy. Like because you've never had to season. worry about it. You've, yeah. If you're a Patriots fan, you've never had to worry about this. And you would laugh at other franchises that would go through this dance. You know, how many contending teams would bring in a quarterback and you'd be like, that's great, but your ceiling is capped. You can't win with this guy. So it, that's the whole thing is the capped ceiling. You want to believe that you've got a top five quarterback somewhere or the or a guy who has the chance of being one and anything short of that. Is not going to is not is not going to do it for 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 this fan base at this time, given what they've uh, experienced over the last twenty years.
1: I I understand that. I just don't understand the rush to judgment because let Cam play all sixteen games or what have you yeah. whenever the season ends. And because this is what Belichick's going to do, he not he's not watching college film. I can tell you that right now. He is <laughs> not watching Jimmy Garoppolo or Sam Darnold film. He's going to get to the end of the season. He's going to evaluate the quarterback. How much better would Cam be coming back with a full off season? Are we going to have a full off season? What's the deal with COVID? What if we draft a quarterback? You know, can we move up? Are any of these guys worth it? What about is Sam Darnold coming loose? Is Jimmy Garoppolo coming loose? What about any other quarterbacks that might come loose? Are we better going there? What about Stidham? So I think it's it's an off season puzzle where I think the the the, the answers will reveal themselves in due time. Um, I just think that. You know, right now, patience is a virtue. You don't know. Cam could get hot at the end of the season. He could look great, and you could be like, all right, well, we have our bridge guy for a couple years. Now let's go maneuver in the draft or
0: whatnot. We'll see. The Patriots are a we-don't-have-to-decide-this-now sort of franchise. And, again, you don't need to make the decision in the middle of the season. But – Again, it's it speaks to the impatience of fans here wanting to know. You mentioned a couple names here. I'll put you on the spot. If you had to make a choice right now, who's the Patriots starting quarterback next year? You you're the GM, you can get them all at the same price. Do you go Cam Darnold or Jimmy? Uh
1: I would want to watch a lot more. I want to I would number one, I would want to do a lot more investigating on Sam Darnold.
0: Yeah. Um see if it's him or the, I, see if it's him or Gase.
1: Yes and also I I just I am t- when I, every time I watch him on film I'm tantalized by his talent and, yeah. and I want to know more what's under the hood there in terms of his drive and competitiveness and it, what kind of teammate is he things right. like that but if if you're asking me today just on what I know about these guys you know I'm going Jimmy and I'm d- developing another plan because you know I'm not I'm not putting much f- faith in Mr. Glass over there
0: yeah it's and it, it's at this point you have to think that this is something it's going to be dealing with throughout his career because he's really never made it all the way through so um uh so moving on the other thing the major highlight from this game which had everybody freaking out for a lot of different reasons was jacoby myers oh my god where has he been they had right. this guy so how much how much was myers performance a byproduct of just the game script what they had the jets miserable secondary or how much credit does he deserve for just being? A really good football player that we're just not giving enough credit to
1: yeah I mean I I do think he's a he's a he's a really good football player and I give Jacoby a lot of credit that you know he could have he could have pouted uh he could have been upset with his role early in the season I mean we're talking about a kid who wasn't active against the Chiefs and didn't play against the Broncos just a few weeks ago so you know a lot of people would be kind of ticked off about that and but he really persevered and worked hard, and that's the, that's the kind of player he's been since he's been here. Um, I think that his performance he, – he's a good football player. I think some of it was the Jets. But, you know, I think the bigger thing is, you know, I, I know it's easy for people to say, well, why wasn't he playing? He's the best receiver on the team, blah, blah, blah. Look, you, you spent a first-round pick on Nikhil Harry. He played eight games last year, didn't have a whole lot of practices, you gotta you gotta see what you have in the kid, and and there are some things that they do like about Nikhil Harry. I know you know Cam Newton likes him and is sort of taking him under his wing, wants him to be sort of the uh, the the Cam Newton of the the wide receiver position, where he's like a power forward and and doing those types of things. Right. It, it hasn't translated yet, but he hasn't even played a full NFL season yet. Like you have to run Nikhil Harry out there as you know your number one uh, you know sort of boundary receiver. Then you have Julian Edelman you're not taking him off the field unless he he drags himself off which he ended up doing and then you signed demir bird and the reason demir bird was on the field is because he has a he has a speed element, element that that myers just doesn't have sure. myers is an inside possession receiver
0: he runs a 46340 the second slowest 40 time of the 2019 draft class at the combine
1: Yep, and Demir yeah. Bird runs like a 4-3. Four three. Four three. So, you know, for, for an
0: offense that is dying for speed, has
1: for multiple years, Bird needs to be out there to at least give you a speed element. And then I also hear the, well, Gunnar Olszewski was out there. Well, it's Bill and his special teams. Gunner plays special teams. Jacoby doesn't really play special teams because he's too slow and he's too slight. So Gunner is is on special teams, so that's the reason why he's active. I- like, don't yell at me. Don't yell at Zanis. You know,
0: yell at Bill but Belichick. Never yell at Because this Zanis. is his thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, as an aside, I've never seen anybody run seek out would-be tacklers as much as Gunnar Olszewski on, on kick return. <laughs> I, it was it was like a freaking magnet, a moth to a flame. He would literally, was running in one direction, and he would just steer himself into the first person who came across his path. But uh, we're not doing Gunnar. It is amazing with Jacoby, though. I mean, uh, that every single thing he does is a referendum on Nikhil Harry. I can't yeah. he I he made 12 catches. I, I got 12 series of text messages from different friends all about <laughs> freaking Nikhil. Why can't Nikhil do that? It is <laughs> it is unbelievable because again, you see somebody who shouldn't be able to have success based off of their physical skills and their pedigree. And again, you dust them off, you pull them out of mothballs, throw them out there, as you said, inactive. And he's, Wide open. I mean, he's not just making plays. Every single time the ball goes out of Cam's hands and the camera goes to where Jacoby is, he's open by several yards. And you see Nikhil Harry just running step for step with people and not able to gain separation, not getting a target in a game until the fourth quarter, which means, again— I know people looked at the film. There were instances to throw there. But Jacoby's open all day. I mean, there's got to be something going on there. And you mentioned you're not going to bench Nikhil here, but it really feels like Myers is really more that big slot potential Edelman successor. Yep. We don't know, but uh, it, the the, the keel thing's not going away. What we'll ask and what everybody wants to know about Myers right now, Greg, is uh, can you start him in fantasy? Uh, and is he the real deal? Yeah, a week ago, you and Nick were talking about assets. What's in the trove heading into next year? I don't think Myers was mentioned there as somebody who you're going to say we got this guy. That's going to help. Do you think this is a person who is a not a, a building block, but somebody who can continue to make an impact for this team long term?
1: Do I think he can be a good solid receiver for this team? Do I think he yes? Do I think he's a building block for this team? Uh, no. I don't. I think he's, I think he's a number three starter. I think that you need, uh, you need some sort of outside, uh, receiver sure. and you need a successor to Edelman, whatever but that's going to look see like
0: a potential like poor man's Colston sort of big slot, uh, type of type of, uh, profile for him in the next three, four years.
1: Yeah, but he'll only play in three wide receiver sets once you get there. I just yeah. don't think. I, I just think he's too slow. And he and, and he, you know, he, I think he had one good block in this game, but for the most part, he can't block his way out of a paper bag. Like he had more <laughs> bad blocks in this game. You know, he had the penalty. I thought that holding penalty was a little bit iffy, but and 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 the motion penalty was actually not his fault. It was Demir Bird because he was shifting his feet as Myers went in motion. So. Myers needs to come set in that case. And he didn't. So it was technically the right call, but uh, you know, I, you know, I think he could be a good, solid receiver. I said, he, he reminds me of, you know, for those who go back a ways, a Gadston, uh, sort of later years with Dan Marino uh, also with Jay Fiedler, uh, sort of like a big, slower possession receiver. And those guys are fine, but they have a limited ceiling. So, you know, you really you're talking about a limited package. Like if they come out and they're in two backs, one tight end and two wide receivers, I can't see Jacoby as one of those two two wide receivers next year. I just I just can't right now. I mean, who knows? Maybe they pass on drafting a wide receiver again in and, and another receiver deep. Everyone will love that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you, you got to use your first round pick next year Greg to trade up for a quarterback but also to draft a receiver if you can figure out a way to do that. Um, let's get to the Boston Sports Journal member question of the day and this one comes from Jason T and Jason T wants to know why does Josh McDaniels keep running James White into the line of scrimmage. Um, and you had obviously the fourth down here that he's referring to where White got stopped and it could have been a, a pivotal uh, moment in the game. Ended up not. So again, not as much attention being placed to it after the game. But uh, why do you think that is, Greg?
1: Well, uh, you know, a couple of different things. I, I think people underrate that, you know, really James White, when he has been a runner and sort of like a sub runner inside, he's he, he's gotten remarkably better over the course of his career. Early on in his career, every time... You know, I used to make fun of him for, you know, it was like every shoelace tackle, you know, every time a guy touched on him, Mm -hmm. touched him in in between the tackles, he would go down and and he's gotten a lot better at that. I think you also have to look at, you know, uh, sort of both of these plays. And I think there was one the previous week, too. um, You know, they were read option plays. So I think they liked James White uh, in terms of you know, what he brings in that regard and also what it does to the defense in terms of they see James White on the field, they're going to bring more defensive backs on the field and it makes it easier to run block. And on that play and specifically, that didn't have anything to do with James White. It didn't have anything to do with the play call. David Andrews got his butt blown up in the middle of the line. And if you actually look at the, on the coach's film, it was clear that if Andrews makes his block there, there is a humongous hole over right guard uh, between what Shaq Mason did and Awenu. And it was there. It's just White couldn't get there because David Andrews got shoved back about three yards. I mean, yeah. that's about execution. It's not about the play call. It's not about the personnel. It's about execution. It didn't work. It often doesn't work when when those sort of short, short yardage uh, plays fail, including, you know, the Seattle one-yard one yard line dive by Cam Newton a when who got shoved back got, three yards exactly and it blow up that place so it's not don't look at don't look at all that other stuff just look at the execution it hasn't been good enough in those spots
0: yeah and and that happens there and again it's uh uh you know uh, as you mentioned earlier when you have white out there obviously people are thinking well maybe they won't just you know, hand hand the ball off and run it. It's a classic misdirection. They do it a they do it a fair amount with White out there. Sometimes it's successful. In this case, an execution issue. Uh, before we wrap it, does does White look not as James? Different. He he looks. Yeah. I, I think I, I you know don't want to make judgment, but he looks not as elusive. Uh, just like a step slower than than what we're used to seeing. I don't know if he's dealing with something here. Yeah. I think it's something the, seems I off. Think it's with the
1: I think it's the family thing. I think. Yeah. You know his dad dying in the car accident, his mother being in the hospital. Um, I think I think it's I think it's weighing on him mentally, and I and I understand that. I think any of us uh, would be distracted um, being so far away uh, from loved ones at a tough time. And 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 if anybody uh, that wears a Patriots uniform um, has earned a pass and to deal with sort of these things and maybe not be as mentally tough as say, you know, Bill Belichick might want it's James white. I mean, he's just been, he's been an incredible Patriot. You know, our heart goes out to, you know, him and his family and what they're dealing with and, and uh, you know, hopefully it gets right because this team misses a totally right James white, even though he did have a pretty big 26 yard pickup on a check down yep. uh, late in this game. And also
0: he had a couple the the week before, uh, more James White is, is good for anybody. Yep. Oh, great. Um, That's going to wrap it for this episode of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Again, uh, please uh, subscribe. If you haven't already rate, review all that good stuff, Greg, any other promotional messaging for the folks at home?
1: No, I just, you know, uh, tune into Boston sports journal. I'll have my, uh, my, my breakdown posted shortly on this game. And that will include uh some uh, coaches film analysis of the specific plays on defense and sort of what the issues were. So if you want to go, if you like this and you like how we talk about the game, you want to go even deeper, buy a subscription over at BSJ. Trust me, it'll be worth your money Do it. Uh, You'll get <laughs> and, and you'll get a lot more information. You'll be better informed as a Patriots fan. And you know, you, let's face it. You'll know a lot of things that happen before they do for the team, because we have a tendency to do that over at BSJ
0: he will he's not lying if those watching the video you can see it on the screen bostonsportsjournal.com slash subscribe just go there 11 cents a day uh this will wrap it for this one again Greg Bedard John Zan is filling in for Nick Cattles who will be back later in the week as Greg and Nick preview the Ravens so that should be uh interesting I don't even know if I want to be around for that one (laughs) Me either. <laughs> but we Good. we gotta do it. We signed a contract. Okay, thanks for listening everybody.